The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. We didn't wreck the marriage. We're just just picking up the pieces, right? This is what we do. We fix mistakes. It's a mistake, and like you said, we're coming in to, to fix it. Yeah, a lot of mistakes leading up to the biggest mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, buenas noches, uh, wherever you are. I don't. (laughs) I was a very poor (laughs) Spanish student. So thank you for listening. You're listening to It's a Mistake with attorney Matt Barrick and my beautiful Princess of the Probate Court co-host, Kirsten DeMoga. Hello. That's good. He's on. He's on it this morning. I like it. I like it. He had his eggs. Remember, eat eggs for breakfast. (laughs) That's the secret, folks. Avocado. Protein, avocado, and what? No No snacks. No snacks. No carbs. (laughs) No sugar. No carrots. Carrots have sugar. Be very careful about your sugar intake. We're trying to get everybody healthy as we get them divorced. You're listening. It's a mistake. And we're sitting here uh, with my friend and uh, retired judge Peter DeGange, who's joining us. Give you an applause. Oh, I love it. Wapner. Oh, I like that. I like that? Excellent. That, that, that fits you much better. <laughs> really. So we're going to be talking to him today. We're going to be learning about what it's like to be a probate court judge. He joined us last week, and he's joining us today. We had him sit in last week, but just to get him warmed up. We didn't want to overwhelm him. <laughs> it's tough to be retired, so we wanted to kind of break him in slowly to, to our routine, but we'll be talking to him in a few minutes. And uh, But what's going on today, Kirsten? What's up? Tell me something. Talk to Tell me. Tell you something. Have you gone Talk anywhere? Did you go to Europe? Uh, well, you know what France? Is your Paris since last we were here? No. Did I no, tell you in the middle of two trials, Kirsten oh went God. to London for a week? <laughs> It was your fault. <laughs> why is it always my fault? It's your fault. You're sc- I don't know why you scheduled yourself like that. <laughs> I don't know what I would happened. have said I had an emergency. I have no idea what happened. Um, I don't know. You some, speak some, up. Some, some, I'm speaking up. Something <laughs> something happened. I, I don't know. I don't I had a I don't know well, how I ended up it. with that. I solved them all. I did. In fact I solved I've solved three cases in the last five days and I got one more. Someone just texted me I have to solve it by two o'clock. So. Oh, okay. You know, just, high noon. <laughs> high noon kind of thing. <laughs> I think I have some ideas, but I, 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 I need some time to actually write them down. But yeah, it's been very busy. Very but as as we go to the holidays and we talked about the holiday plan last week for parenting, things should be a little bit better. I'm hoping that, that people will get through the holidays without killing each other or without getting divorced. Everybody lay lows and lays low, and then it goes January one. Yeah, Oof I, starts. I think so. I think as you get closer to spring, mm-hmm. that's what I always found. <laughs> spring is in the air. Spring, Love. spring cleaning. Spring yes. cleaning. Exactly. That, that those those warm rare days in late March, February, mm-hmm. when you start feeling that spring's coming. That's when the phone starts ringing. Mm-hmm. Any good any good stories before we turn no, to our guest today? Stories. Nothing. No. Nothing How's Cato? Keto? Nope. Just calorie counting. You're calorie counting. Just calorie. I'm so inspired my, my in, by you're inspired <laughs> by my yeah. Uh, yeah. my uh, prodigious yeah. weight loss. Hey, it's calories it's in, calories out. Right. It's excellent. Are we exercising? Yeah. What are you doing? Just I like the spinning actually. Spin the best. Does, does that make you dizzy? No. No. I like that the best. I have the shoes and everything now. You look good, Judge. What do you do? Am I in the right place? We're talking <laughs> about diets. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to talk yeah, about what do you do? a little what bit do you of do? You, I know you play golf. I uh, play golf. Yeah, I walk a lot when I play golf. Uh, Walking's good. Yeah, and uh, no snacking. I See? agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I try to keep off sugar as much as I can. 
See? Just like yeah. me. No so sugar, no snacking. You had a very strict look on the bench. Did you get starving? No, I, I had a regimen. Uh, <laughs> we took a break at 11, mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee, and give my court officers a break, a bathroom mm-hmm. break, or whatever they needed to do. We broke always for lunch at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, always off the bench by 4.30. So uh, the people that work in the court, they have obligations outside the court. Uh, babysitters pick up their yeah. kids, whatever they needed to do. I thought it was uh, not fair to them, uh, and they're probably the most unheralded people in the courthouse are the people that back yep. up the judges. Yep. I mean, everybody, the, yeah. from the person at the front door to the probation department mm-hmm. to the register's office. The judges can't do their work without those people, and those people need to be treated like they are. They're real human beings, and they have outside needs. So I always got off the bench by 4.30 so they could do it and go home when they needed to go home. So yeah. I, I regimented. Is it true you get the worst result right before lunch? Did you hear that study? Well, it depends on how grumpy you're getting. Uh, <laughs> I always, on what's for, I does would it slow pedal. For, well, does I would it do, always slow pedal and be like, we got to come back at two. We're getting well, doesn't it depend what you're going to eat for lunch if you're the well, judge? Not, oh, no, but they've had studies that uh, judges that sentence people yeah. are more lenient after lunch than before yeah, lunch. True. Yeah. You know, so they have studies like that. I try to be as consistent <laughs> as I possibly could. So I was grumpy all the time. <laughs> what did you eat for lunch, though? I mean, we're just, Mostly salads. See? Salads, curse. Mostly touch? salads. He's looking Sweet good. Touch. Sweet touch. Sweet yeah. touch. Yeah. That's a plug. Maybe they could be a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We could be sponsored. What are they going to do when they close the court? There, there was I a know. secret place we used to go to, which I won't give you the name, but it was on. Is uh, it the Greek place? Yeah. Yeah. I know the Greek place. Yeah. That's my new favorite place. Don't say, place. Don't say the name because I go there too. Don't say it. It's my favorite no. place. Yeah. No, it's yeah. good. Don't say it. Because if you go to Sweet Touch, you'd be eating with the lid against two at the same time. Yeah, no. Sweet Touch is tough. For those of the uninformed, we're doing a little inside baseball. I know we have a lot of <laughs> national listeners on our show. Sweet Touch is the, like the coffee shop across the street from the courthouse. Yeah, well, it's like, a, like court, a Middlesex County. Seinfeld, yeah, right? Exactly. It's totally like Seinfeld. <laughs> With the boots. I do yeah. get my omelet there when, when, I, when I go early. Food's great there. Yeah, it's not bad at all. It's Send a good us place. a gift certificate. <laughs> yeah, please. We, do, we, need, we need some sponsors. We had some more listeners. Yeah. and Sponsored by, it's a mistake, sponsored by Sweet Touch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. So should we get to it with Judge yeah. All right, let's get to it. So you want, you, want, you want to lead off? Go ahead. I think you've got the You want me to there, lead? Yeah. All right. So we're sitting here with Judge Peter DeGangie. Judge, you were a judge on the Middlesex, uh, the probate court, not Middlesex, right, for, for how many years? Well, I was a judge for uh, 15 years. Six of those years were as first justice of Middlesex. And the rest of it, uh, nine years, I was between Middlesex and Essex. And so there he is. We've got his bio up there. Oh, that's, that's a, a great nice, picture. That's a nice picture. That's a very nice picture. Yeah. Looking very svelte. Uh, so I guess, how did, why does one become a judge? We'll get to how in a minute, but why? What, what was your inspiration for becoming a judge? My inspiration was I had practiced for 28 years in a probate court. Uh, I came up here from Brooklyn, New York. I was in the Kings County DA's office there. Came up here. Uh, my wife's from uh, Massachusetts. So I relocated and practiced for 28 years. And uh, you saw, I saw what was going on in the courts on a regular basis. I thought uh, justice, uh, and I was involved in a couple cases that uh, really demanded justice. It was more than just making a fee on a case. It was a case, uh, there were cases that demanded justice. And I said, you know, to really a uh, good way to see justice is being carried out is actually to be a judge. So um, it was a challenge to do it. 
Uh, I tried it, uh, and I got it. So I was very fortunate, and um, that's how I got there. And being a uh, working for the public is a gratifying thing to do. It really is. Um, you feel like they're helping people, and uh, I like doing that. So it fell into my. Uh, uh, I I was fortunate that things fell into place for me to have that opportunity and privilege. And so for all those young would-be judges out there that uh, listen to our show, I mean, Kirsten, you, you've expressed at various times that you may want to be a judge. Is that still true? I think so. Yeah, you do? Okay. I'll, well, talk, I'll talk to you after the okay. show. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and there is a great need for, for judges in the probate system in Massachusetts. Judge, how, how did you become a judge? How, how, how does that go? It was a long, long story. I'll try to make it short. I became an attorney by accident. I had a uh, car that I bought. I was in Ohio. bought a car. It was a 56 Dodge. I bought for $23. And the fellow asked me to take him to Bowling Green, which is about 120 miles away from where we were. And I said, what are you going there for? He says he's going to take the LSATs. I had no idea what the LSATs were. It's the law school aptitude test. And back then it was an eight-hour test. So I said, what am I going to do for the eight hours while you take this test? He says, I tell you what, I'll pay for the gas, I'll buy you lunch, and I'll pay the 15 bucks you take the test with me. So I did. Now, long story short, I became an attorney. He became a butcher in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome story. So that's how I became an attorney. Uh-oh. And um, then I was in the DA's office in Brooklyn, New York. I started out in homicide and went to narcotics. And uh, I was, uh, they were undergoing a financial strain that uh, they didn't have enough money to support the whole staff. So the last ones in were, were going to be the first ones out. I uh, took the bar exam up here. I think it was the first multi-state bar that Massachusetts gave. I was fortunate enough past that. And uh, one thing led to another. And I just uh, practiced law for 28 years. It was a long period. Of, and in 28 years, you meet a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of enemies, probably, as a, as a, uh, a trial attorney. Ain't that the truth? As a trial attorney. Yeah. But I was very fortunate. So, uh, and when I applied for the job, I, I don't know how many, back then it was a pretty popular job to have, and a lot of people were applying for it. Um, I wasn't a, uh, politically bent. I was an independent. I didn't contribute money to anybody. I just did my job, and I was very fortunate that... Uh, people read my resume and were satisfied enough to put me on the bench. And uh, I was sworn in by uh, uh, Governor Swift. Wow. And I was back in, two th- I, was, I was sworn in September 6th, 2001, and then 9-11 happened, I think it was that Monday or Tuesday. So it was a real, real turbulent time to say the least. But uh, it was interesting to say the least also. What's the hard, what was the hardest part of the job of being a probate court judge? You mean overall? Overall. I think overall is uh, sometimes being dissatisfied that you just couldn't help people out, that they just refused to listen to whatever kind of opportunities you gave them to rectify whatever the situation is. Very frustrating. And there are other frustrating parts of the job, too, that uh, there's a mess of frustrating uh, situations, the lack of uh, personnel to help you out, uh, lack of resources, at least during the uh, majority of the time that I was a uh, judge, we had a lot of uh, absentees because we didn't have any funding. So that made the job more difficult. What's becoming more difficult also is the lack of attorneys going to probate court. A lot of pro se litigants, those are people that represent themselves, uh, are becoming uh, 
self-anointed attorneys. A lot of people think if they read the internet, they got it down pat, but that's <laughs> not the case. Uh, and uh, so there's a frustration coming in. And also uh, being in courts that there are uh, large populations of non-English speaking people and not enough interpreters makes the job a lot longer, a lot more difficult. So I think our new Chief Justice, uh, John Casey, is trying to rectify that as best he can. And I, I think the working conditions for my uh, colleagues are getting better all the time. What, what, do you think that the probate court, it, it always seems to be, the, the, out of all the courts politically, at least in Massachusetts, it's sort of like the, the, last, the court of last resort in terms of funding and stuff. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't think they need us. Uh, the, the feeling was the legislature thought the superior court really was superior, and they got a lot of funding. A lot of uh, other cases, uh, most of the uh, other courts, if you look at it, uh, they all have attorneys representing their uh, clients. You go to superior court, everybody has an attorney. You go to district court, everybody gets this, uh, an, an attorney. They're either appointed or they have them. Same thing in superior court. Probate court is a lot of... Uh, as uh, a lot of cases with just pro se litigants in there. And for some reason, they just didn't feel that the probate court uh, was that uh, was that special in needing funds above and beyond the criminal courts, uh, the superior court and the district court. Well, it's interesting, too. It's kind of ironic in a way that it affects so many people's lives and their daily yeah. lives. I mean, it has tremendous impact on, on, on people society. and society yeah. and children, and yet it's sort of the... The court that we look at we, last. We've had people. I've had. Uh, I've been to lectures uh, where people higher up in the food chain come and say, "You guys are all doing a great job, but I don't know what the hell you do." You know, a lot of people don't understand what we do uh, unless you're getting a divorce or have somebody in your family going through a divorce. A lot of people have no idea what's going on in a probate court. And we used to say, "We get people from womb to tomb. We get them from. <laughs> we get them. Yeah. You know, be, uh, while they're in, in utero." Yeah. Uh, to their estates. We get them all the way through. So uh, it's an it's a all-inclusive, equitable court, which I found was fascinating working with people that way. What was, what's your favorite uh, story or favorite outcome in a case where you had to think you had the biggest impact? I'll give, you, I'll give you a general favorite story because uh, it happened multiple times. If you could get two pro se litigants coming into your courtroom that absolutely hate each other. You would never think they had a relationship to begin with. <laughs> uh, absolutely hate each other. And after working with them for a while, you could get them to acknowledge that the other parent is a good parent after all. Regardless of what I've been saying about this person, he or she is a good parent. And you literally get them to sit down and talk about the best interests of their child. Whereas before... If they came in and one of them was on fire, the other one wouldn't tell them. So uh, that, to me, is the most gratifying kind of case you could have. Uh, and just get, just helping people in general, getting on with their lives. But, uh, when people come in front of a, a, a judge, that means whatever else they've tried to do has not worked. And it's up to the judge to just get them on with their lives. Somebody has to make a decision as to what's going to happen. Uh, they make that decision. Live with it. See you later. You know, that's the best you could do. Give, give us three things you would, you would change in your perfect world about the probate court that made you czar for the day. Uh, more support staff, uh, uh, people that do legal research for you, people that help you write uh, cases out, uh, and more funding for uh, uh, clinics. Uh, 
Middlesex was great. They had a, uh, a, a, a clinic, a family clinic, that we could send people to. <coughs> other courts do, are not that fortunate, so you either have to find somebody that'll do it voluntarily or people have to come up with money to do it. So I think more clinics, family-oriented clinics that we could send people to to help them a lot quicker than what's being done now because they're waiting lists and lines for everybody and everything. So I, I think those are the three things that I would really try to mandate uh, to occur more often. We have a lot of pro se people that listen to us after the money runs out. What, what would you tell a, a pro se litigant in terms of com- coming into your courtroom to do in general? In general, be prepared. Uh, I would expect of a pro se litigant, if you choose to represent yourself, I would put the same onus on you as I would any attorney. I, and you don't get any uh, breaks because you're a, a self-represented litigant. Uh, depending on, again, case by case, if there's a reason for it, I'd consider it. But people that didn't come in with their pretrial conference reports that had a, uh, a bogus financial statement just because they were pro se litigants didn't cut any sway with me. Uh, it's not fair to the other side, especially if the other side is being represented by counsel. So everybody needs to be on the same playing field. And, and likewise, what, what would you say to our young lawyers out there listening like our associate is trying to uh, get on the show? We're not going to let her have her on the show for a while. Um, First thing, be courteous to each other. I can't tell you how many times... Or Kirsten's nodding her head. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've had attorneys calling each other liars in, in open court, uh, discouraging or disparaging each other, or you know, uh, not having agreements uh, when there could be agreements just for the sake of having arguments. I had one case where a fellow, we were scheduled for trial, uh, and he uh, comes in almost in tears. He said uh, his mother was uh, dying in Connecticut, and uh, he wanted uh, to be in Connecticut to be with his mother. I says, well, just get a continuance from the other side. He said, the other side won't continue it. Mm. I says, you're kidding me. So, so I said, get the other side in here. We brought him in. And I says, why are you being this way towards your brother or attorney? He said, well, my client doesn't want to allow it. So who's the boss here? You or your client? So I sanctioned him 500 bucks for uh, not being civil. And, of course, I, could, I yeah. continued the trial and see you later. You know, yeah. That would be the first rule is to be courteous to each other. And then the second rule is be prepared. I can't tell you how many cases that I knew better than the, uh, the attorneys in front of me. And what I used to do is read everything before they came in front of me, just before the case was called. I wouldn't do it three days before because I'd get confused with all the other mm-hmm. cases. I'd do it right then and there. And you have attorneys sitting there for an hour, two hours waiting for their case to be called. They don't read their file. They don't. Uh, I used to tell them how old the kids were. Some attorneys, they, <laughs> yeah. or how many kids yeah. there were, or what they did for. You know, it's totally embarrassing to watch an attorney be unprepared for uh, representing their client. Totally, un- uh, it's totally embarrassing. So those are the two main things I would do. And you know, know the law. You know, don't come in with some cockamamie, you know, reason as to why you're going to do something. Cite some law. Know what you're know what you're talking about. Be prepared. What would you tell a, a, a young judge on the first day? Listen to everybody and make a decision. The biggest thing you have to do is make a decision. It's not a good job to have if you don't want to make decisions. And I always used to, and I learned this from other judges that I sat and watched for 28 years, is uh, if you've done this long enough, you know what the law is, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you know what the ruling should be. Uh, make that ruling as fast as you can. On, on motion days, I don't think I ever took a motion off the bench that I didn't tell the people this is what I'm going to do. 
So they walk out, they know what's happening, and they can plan future. I've had cases, uh, I've seen cases where decisions, people are waiting six months, eight months for a decision. That's not fair to the litigants. It's not fair to anybody. So, But again, that's not totally the judge's fault. A lot of times people are bringing things that are superfluous, 60, 70, 80 page motions. Uh, you have you have a, uh, a regular uh, calendar list of 20, 30 cases on in a day. And this is these are all things that you have to do on your own time. This isn't, uh, you know, they give you a special holiday to go write, you know, they give you one lobby day a, a, a month to write things. But if you've heard 100 and some odd cases during that month, it's hard to put everything together. So there's a lot of time uh, involved. So I think the biggest thing you could do is make a decision as quickly as you can because once the wave of un solve cases are on your desk it a it's hard to remember what was it what it was mm, all about right. so you have to reread everything you're doubling the workload uh, that's my biggest uh, uh, advice to a new lawyer a new judge rather is to make a decision quickly it's actually funny you just made me think of a story about you um, I was a young attorney and I came in on a case and it was custody and the attorney on the other side was a seasoned attorney been practicing for a long time and we were on polar opposite ends and you heard us both and you agreed with me and you said what you were going to do right there from the bench is that why i'm here today yes no, no. and i remember though no you haven't gotten to the punchline. i got the order in the mail and it was accidentally the opposing counsel's proposed order without change and i knew i said no, nope, no. So there's a there's that's a, the story you brought no, up to our guests. No, listen, there's a court. No, no, no. Because the judge and I, I really appreciated it. There's a a, a clerk whose initial is J. Doesn't work. <laughs> it still works in that court. And I explained the situation to her and what you were saying about being courteous. Pulled the tape. She said, "No problem. I'll have the judge listen to it." The next day, I got the corrected order. And you know what that seasoned attorney, she knew what happened, but she refused to, um, you know, help me with that and, you know, withheld the child and all this other stuff. But but I really appreciated that. And it, and it got fixed. And um, But well, know, that's a great that story. But judges, going, you know. Judges are not infallible. And, uh, you know, probably that's what the appeals court is all about. But um, if there's an honest mistake, and again, with 30 cases on in right. a day, you're, it's amazing to see how much paperwork flows through a courthouse. Uh, if you go to the registers office, you see thousands upon thousands of cases. Each page is documented. It's just incredible how they keep track of all this paper, and it's not unusual. In a f uh, and I work fairly fast, uh, you know, so it's not unusual, perhaps, for a clerk trying to keep up with me would might misfile something. So uh, it happens, and uh, the best thing to do is. See if it's an honest mistake yeah. or not. But I appreciated that. Well, but, yeah, but I definitely think that, you know, civility right. and courteous is so important because, you know, these the, the people and the cases repeat with the same and players. And this person and knew. Stuff. This person knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kirsten's so. got that look on her face. No, I never does. forget. I'm the, she doesn't forget. Kirsten DeMoli Your best friend or your forget. worst enemy. <laughs> well, you know, as, a, as an attorney, I remember sitting in the hall with other attorneys discussing the judges. Well, what do you think the judges discuss when they're sitting in their <laughs> lobbies? The they're discussing uh, the attorneys. Right. They know exactly. they know who the players are. They know who the people that are going to be a problem are. Okay. They and some attorneys, for whatever reason, just have a reputation mm -hmm. of being discourteous, obstructive, and anything else you can think of that'll impede mm -hmm. 
the settlement of a case. So there, people, when you get your reputation, you're going to live with it for a long time. So the, uh, for new attorneys, we used to say, and I still say, your reputation is made in your first six months of being a lawyer and, mm-hmm. and how you present yourself. And it's really hard to undo mm-hmm. or unring the bell. So mm-hmm. bear that in mind. I tell everybody, treat everybody in the courthouse like they're your mother. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. You know, everybody. And that goes from... Yeah. Oh, the janitors too. That Absolutely. goes from the janitor on right. up. Yeah, well, they Treat make the place. Those people all make the place wrong. Yeah. Treat. Er, you better believe it. And if a clerk doesn't like, they say a judge could hurt you, but a clerk could kill you. No, it's, it's very not. true. It's very true. Very true. Be very nice to the clerks. We love the clerks. All of them. All of them. They, they, they do. They do. There were a couple of clerks stuff. in Essex a long time ago that I couldn't get anything done unless I brought a dozen donuts up. <laughs> whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We say, and it worked. Judge, tell us what you're doing now. I'm doing uh, mostly mediation. I'm doing arbitration also. I've gotten involved in a couple long divorces, uh, big divorces that I'm trying to get out of. As soon as those are done, I'll probably finish practicing law. I just concentrate on and doing mediation. And, and, and where where can people find you? They're looking for a wonderful mediator. I'm at Judge uh, and Angie. I'm working. I'm, I actually, I'm of counsel with my daughter and her partners. Uh, it's DDSK uh, Lawyers at 900 Cummings Center in Beverly, Massachusetts. And uh, my email is pdeganji, all lower cap, at DDSK dot, uh, ddsklaw.com. And, I, and I've always been a big advocate of retired judges doing, doing mediation. I think that uh, they can be particularly helpful in, in, in easy cases, difficult cases. The probate court is extraordinarily uh, busy. It's extraordinarily difficult to get a decision, and it's not for lack of trying, but it's because, as we talked about earlier today, the lack of resources and not having law clerks and, and not the, having and staff. The, the volume. And the volume. Volume is staggering. It never ends. So, so it's a wonderful option for um, for pro se litigants. It's also a great option for uh, attorneys or, or that are looking to settle a case. The other thing that is, you can be helpful, too, sometimes is advising attorneys on cases uh, difficult cases. It's always great to get perspective of a retired judge, somebody that, like Judge DeGangi, that sat in the bench for so many years and can give you an opinion as to what uh, a judge may do in a particular case. And, you know, there's a lot of pro se people that, you know, may, may need some help that have some money that might be better spent, you know, getting the yeah. case resolved earlier on with a mediator uh, that sat on the bench that can make a decision. I would suggest, not just for myself, but other mediators too, uh, for people. Their attorneys, uh, I do mostly uh, cases represented, both uh, both parties are represented by counsel, but uh, mediation is a way to shorten the process. It's less formal than a courtroom. Uh, you could get a lot more accomplished in uh, mediation quicker. You don't have to have your attorney or you don't sit around for six hours to have your case called. You have a time to have it heard. You have a date to have it heard. You get it done. And, uh, and again, it's we try to be civil and uh, get the case done. It's a lot more economical, and I think it's a lot less painful for the parties if you could if you could arrange a mediation. And I think the judges like it too if you could come in with a settled case. Oh, they love it. Yeah, absolutely. they absolutely. I, love I know it. I used to love it. Yeah, no, there's no question. Absolutely. Well, we'll, get, well that will be the last word. Yes. Um, Judge DeGangi, I want to thank you for, for your time today. Thank you for coming in. And most importantly, thank you for the service that you provided to the Commonwealth for all those years sitting on the bench. Uh, it's, it's appreciated. And the Commonwealth needs good people like yourself uh, on the probate court. It's an important well, job and service you. that you did. Thank you for thank having you. me. We appreciate I all appreciate those years it. that you did. Thank you. Thanks. 
So thank you guys for listening. Um, please listen. Tell a friend, an enemy, a loved one, an unliked one, a liked one. Like us on, I don't know, what, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff. We're all there. We're easy to find. If you need an attorney, find the Apple person. Podcast uh, attorney. Yeah. Oh, Apple Podcast. Like and share on Apple Podcast. Well, somebody said we're on Spotify. So Spotify. Yeah. You're like there and too. Share. You're we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Any, anywhere you find it. Everywhere. everywhere. The Incredible Shrinking Lawyer and the Prince of the Probate <laughs> Court. Thank you for listening. It's a mistake. Happy holidays, everybody. And we will see you next week. Yeah. We are out. Bye. We move too slow. It's no use.